Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest continues his series, Fruit and Gifts. Well, as I said earlier during praise and worship, I'm going to continue my series on fruit and gifts. And this morning, uh, we're going to talk about the nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit. You know, last week we talked about the fruit of the Spirit and the importance of walking in love and walking in the fruit of the Spirit if we're going to be effective walking in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. So I'd like to start this morning by rereading the passage in Galatians that spells out the fruit of the Spirit, which is instrumental and foundational if you're going to be effective operating in the gifts of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 in the New King James Version. And by the way, every scripture that I use today will be from the New King James Version. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, we talked about walking in the fruit of the Spirit that emanates from the love of God that is in us as born-again believers both in our everyday lives, but also in the context of operating in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. You know, the Apostle Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 13, the so-called love chapter, that if our motivation for operating in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit is not rooted and grounded in love, we're wasting our time and we won't be effective. In other words, the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit have to flow together if we expect to be effective in the realm of the supernatural in our life and in our ministry. Amen? And it's not just about us as individual believers. It's about the church, too. If we're ever going to rise to the glorious church, if we're ever going to be the glorious church that Jesus wants to come back to, the one that God has called us to be, you know, we as born-again believers have to take the next step and get baptized in the Holy Ghost and begin praying in tongues So we can begin to move in the realm of the supernatural. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we finished our series on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we emphasized is that the initial sign of someone being filled with the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongues. It's the initial utterance that you have when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. But it's more than just evidence. It's also a taste of the gifts that you now have available to you as a baptized in the Holy Spirit believer. And if you want to walk more and more in the gifts of the Spirit, I always have the same recipe for anyone who asks me that question. I want to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, Brother Scott, like you do. How do I do that? And I always say, pray in the Spirit as much as you can. As often as you can, and you will sensitize yourself to the realm of the spirit and you'll begin to pick things up that you didn't pick up before. And the power of God would begin to flow through you like it hasn't before. Amen. Because you've increased your sensitivity by delving into the realm of the spirit. Amen. I like to say it like this. Praying in tongues opens the doorway into a supernatural life. And one of the things that I got a real revelation of early in my Christian walk, I was 17 years old when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it changed my life. And one of the things I got a revelation about was this new thing, tongues, was something valuable. 
I valued it from the very beginning. And so I began to pray in tongues as much as I could, as often as I could, every chance I could. And as a result, over the past 48 years of my Christian walk, I have lived a supernatural life. Amen? Do we not want to live above the natural? Or do we want to just stay within the confines of the five physical senses? I say, no, I want to live at a higher level. And the key, one of the keys, is praying in the Holy Ghost. All right. Amen. So, the place that you find the nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll start at verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Dynamite statement here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now you can't, you can't get any plainer than that. This is the Holy Spirit, God's Word to you and me, saying when it comes to spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. Yet, most of the body of Christ today is completely ignorant of the gifts of the Spirit. Isn't that right? They don't have a clue. All right, go on down to verse 7 there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul says, But the manifestation of the Spirit, these gifts that he's introduced, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of us for the profit of all. That means if the body is flowing and operating in the gifts of the Spirit the way they're supposed to, everybody will profit, everybody will benefit. Isn't that right? So then verse 8 through 10 actually begin to list out these nine supernatural, sometimes called the nine charismatic gifts of the Spirit. So here we go, starting with verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, that's a very, very important statement. The Holy Spirit distributes his gifts to individuals as he wills, not as we will. Now, another place in the scriptures, it says we should earnestly desire the gifts. So it's right to want to be used in the gifts of the spirit. But you got to know going in that you will be used at his discretion, not yours. In other words, I've talked about this before. Don't try and manufacture a word from the Lord, because if you do, you'll get in trouble and you'll just look foolish. Amen. I want to be used by the gifts, but I want it to be the real deal. Amen. So to gain a better understanding of the gifts of the Spirit, it is sometimes helpful to categorize them by their characteristics and their operation, regardless of how they appear in this list here in verse 8 through 10. So these nine gifts mentioned in verse 8 through 10, uh, we can group them into three categories of three gifts each to help us better understand how they work and how they operate. Revelation gifts, word of wisdom, 
word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, power gifts, gifts of healings, gift of faith, working of miracles, vocal or inspirational gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Amen. This week, we're going to zero in on what we've defined here as the revelation gifts. Now, we call them revelation gifts because they reveal things to us we had no way of knowing unless they were supernaturally revealed to us by God. That's why they're so special. And the first two gifts that are mentioned together in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 12 are word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And we're going to talk about them first, beginning with word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is defined in this way. The word of knowledge involves things that currently exist or things that existed in the past. It is knowledge of present tense or past tense events that is revealed to us supernaturally by the Spirit of God. Knowledge is knowledge. As distinguished from wisdom, which is applied knowledge, which implies future. But I'm getting ahead of myself. A really good example of the word of knowledge in, in action can be found in the Gospels when uh, Philip finds his brother Nathaniel and tells him that he's found the Christ, the Son of God. And Nathaniel comes to meet Jesus for the first time. That's John chapter 1, verse 44 through 51. This is an awesome passage of Scripture. I get tickled every time I read it and blessed and receive revelation as well. So starting at verse 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. In other words, Jesus was saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. Verse 51. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. If you think it's cool that I saw you sitting under the fig tree, Wait until you see a portal open from heaven and angels descending on the Son of Man and ascending through that same portal. You're going to see that. Isn't that cool? And although it wasn't recorded in the Bible when that happened, you know it happened because Jesus said it was going to happen. Amen? Evidently, Jesus saw Nathanael sitting under the fig tree in a vision just before he met him in person. Classic word of knowledge. Sometimes the word of knowledge manifests through just an inner revelation 
a knowing on the inside or you hear the voice of the Lord on the inside and you know things that you wouldn't know otherwise. When Jesus and the disciples came through Samaria and they stopped at Jacob's well, there's a great story that illustrates what I'm talking about here. The disciples went off to buy food and Jesus stayed and asked the woman at the well for a drink of water and then they struck up a conversation. And in the course of the conversation, Jesus begins to reveal things to her about her life that he had no way of knowing unless it was revealed to him by God. John chapter 4 Verse 16 through 19. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. No kidding. (laughs) He just read your mail. You had five husbands and the man you're now living with is not your husband. Go get him and bring him here. Now, it was more than just a parlor trick. Hey, I know some things about you. I'm going to show off. If you read the rest of the story, you find out that this ability to read the soul of this woman, to see some things in her life that he could only know through the wisdom of God, That ability ended up opening up the village to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the gifts are for. To let people know that God is good, that God loves him, and to draw people to Christ. Amen? Praise the Lord. Sometimes word of knowledge can manifest through an angelic visitation. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. Perfect example of that. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Listen, that had to give Joseph pause. I'm engaged to this woman and now she's pregnant. And the only way he's ever seen that happen before is if she was with another man. So, you know, his mind was mulling over. What am I going to do? Verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. I love this. This is kind of a side note, but this tells you something about the character of Joseph. Even though he thought his betrothed got pregnant by another man, his first instinct was to protect her. Isn't that awesome? No wonder Joseph and Mary were chosen to raise Jesus in this world. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He received peace of mind and he knew exactly what to do now because an angel appeared to him and gave him a word of knowledge, told him what exactly was going on with his future wife. Amen. Let me share a real quick personal example. Some of you have heard this story many times. You'll hear it again this morning. I was preaching in my home church in Minden, Louisiana in the early 90s. And uh, it was a Sunday night. 
And Pastor Bill asked me to preach on healing. So I preached that it was the will of God for everyone to be healed. And you know what happens when you preach like that? Something happens. If people get a hold of that truth, they are more able to receive healing from the Lord. So I had a healing line after the service. And uh, they were all up at the altar, lots of people that wanted healing. And I began to pray for them. And some of them received instant manifestations. And I was easily getting people healed as I worked my way down the line, about two-thirds way down the line. I came to a woman, which I found out later. She was 27 years old, and she was completely deaf in her left ear. And she said, I haven't been able to hear from my left ear since I was a little girl. And so I began to pray for her the way that I prayed for everybody else with no results. And I was wondering, what's going on here? That seems like a blockage here. And my prayers don't seem to be getting through. And then all of a sudden, I hear this voice on the inside say, she has a spirit of infirmity. If you don't deal with the spirit, she will not be healed. And, you know, this is only about the third or fourth time that Pastor Bill let me preach. So I was just thinking, I'm going to cast out devils. I'll never be able to preach in this church again. So the Lord said it to me three times. And the third time he went silent. It is a spirit of infirmity. And if you don't deal with it, she won't be healed. And then this is what I thought. I got two choices. I can either never preach again or I can be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I said, I'm going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. So I put my finger in her left ear. That's scriptural, you know. Jesus put his fingers in a deaf guy's ears and they opened up. So I put my finger in her left ear and I said, you foul spirit of deafness. Come out in Jesus name. Only I said it about 10 times louder than that. And her ear popped open immediately. She heard for the first time in like 25 years. Praise be to the Lord. You know, it pays to be tuned in to the frequency of the Holy Spirit so that you know what's going on. Amen. That was a word of knowledge about what was going on with this woman. Now, some people have come to me and said, wasn't that discerning of spirits? And I said, no, not exactly, because I had knowledge that the spirit was there. I could not see it. If you're really operating in a high level of discerning of spirits, as we will talk about, you can actually see the spirit. And know whether it's good or evil. All right. Praise the Lord. Word of wisdom. Let's press on. Word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is knowledge of future events. Particularly events that are associated with the plans and purposes of God. Which are supernaturally imparted to you by the Holy Spirit. Let me show you what I mean by a really wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7 and 8. This is talking about the plan of God that was hid throughout the ages to send Jesus to pay the price for us and that he would be raised from the dead to bring us victory in life. Verse seven. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, this is talking about the plan of God hidden throughout the ages that Jesus would be our redeemer. And it says none of the princes of this world or the principalities that were influencing them would have crucified the Lord of glory if they'd have known he was going to be raised from the dead because they would have known it would be enforcing their own defeat. 
but it was a secret, a very well-kept secret, amen. And it turns out that the Greek word there for wisdom in verse 7, used twice there in verse 7, is the very same word used in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when it talks about the word of wisdom. So I can infer from all of that that word of wisdom has to do with the future plans and purposes of God for an individual or a group of individuals. Amen? In the next example from Scripture that I want to share with you, the Apostle Paul had need of wisdom and guidance concerning future travel plans as he was out on the mission field. And he received it in a night vision. Let's read about it. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 10. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They wanted to move on to Asia, but the Holy Spirit said no. After they had come to Musia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Musia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Amen. Word of wisdom concerning the future travel plans of Apostle Paul and his company. Amen. I don't want you to go to Asia. I don't want you to go Bithynia. I want you to go to Macedonia. Amen. Word of wisdom may come in many forms, just like the word of knowledge that may come through an angelic visitation, a dream, a vision, or even an audible voice. I'll share another personal example. Back in the summer of 1991, when we were living there in Minden, Louisiana, in our little house on the hill, my girls remember very well, little 1,300 square foot house, and they loved it. Well, anyway, during that summer, the Lord spoke to me in an audible voice. It's the only time it's ever happened to me. He spoke to me in an audible voice, and he told me where I would be and what I would be doing in October of 1996. And just over five years later, it came to pass exactly as he told me that it would. Because he knows your past and he knows your future. He knows your timeline and he knows every point on that timeline, every significant event on that timeline. And in fact, that's exactly the way he spoke to me, he said the next significant event on your timeline will occur in October of 1996. And then he showed me in code exactly where I would be, exactly what I would be doing at that time. And it came to pass exactly as he said. Isn't God good? Amen. That's word of wisdom. Future plans for your life. Hallelujah. Let's talk about discerning of spirits. First Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10 is where it's found in our initial text there. First Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy to another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. So there it is, right in the middle of this verse. To another, discerning of spirits. All right. Discerning of spirits is the supernatural ability to see into the spirit realm. 
The word translated as discerning means discerning, distinguishing, or judging. And Merriam-Webster says it means to detect with the eyes. This gift allows you to see into the spirit realm and discern whether a spirit is good or evil. Amen? It's not just for your amusement. It's not just for your entertainment. It's there for a reason. Let me give you an Old Testament example. Awesome story. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 through 17. 2 Kings chapter 6, 15 through 17. A little bit of background. Elisha and his servant are on the run from the king of Syria and his army. Because the king is upset because Elisha has predicted every strategic place he would put his army. And he told the king of Israel and they were able to thwart it every time. So he's upset. Let me find this guy that won't let me conduct warfare the way that I want to. So they're in the city of Dothan. Elisha and his servant. And they get up one morning. They get on the wall of the city. And this is what they see. Verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding this city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? In other words, what are we going to do? Look at this army. They surrounded the city. So he answered and said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. He saw the heavenly army of God and they far outnumbered the Syrians in their army. Kind of gives you a different perspective. Amen. Sometimes when it feels like the whole world is crashing in all around you, you need to stand up and say, those that are with me are more than those that are against me, and I will prevail in the name of the Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. A New Testament example. The background on this one, it's the Apostle John when he receives the vision that became the book of Revelation in chapter five, verse one. He sees the father sitting on the throne. Revelation chapter five, verse one. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. So right there in the scriptures, it says the apostle John saw the father sitting on the throne. Now, this is a side note, but an important side note. The Bible says that God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But just because he's a spirit doesn't mean he's a heavenly blob. He has a humanoid form. Scripture makes it clear that he has legs, he has feet, he has hands, he has arms, he has a head. He's got eyes, he's got a face. He looks humanoid, only he's in spirit form. And we were made in his image, even in our natural form. And we've got a similar humanoid makeup that he does. Amen. I won't charge anything extra for that. But listen, tell your friends that God is not a blob. So in both of these cases, in the Old Testament example and the New Testament example, you see that people saw into the spirit realm and they saw 
good spirits. Amen. You can also see evil spirits. But you know what? It was such a part of my life for so long. I was so happy the first day that I saw something other than dark spirits. I grew up with demonic nightmares. It started in, in when I was like seven or eight and persisted all the way up into my 20s when I was flying aircraft for the United States Marine Corps. And one day Jesus appeared to me and ministered to me about fear and the role of fear, that if we can break the fear, we can destroy the works of the enemy in our life. And ever since I had that vision in April of 1985, I have never been afraid again. Even though demons have manifested and I've seen them, they do not scare me in the least because I know who I am in the Lord. And Jesus said to me after that vision, he said, you may not always see me, but you must remember I am always there. Amen. It broke the back of those demonic nightmares and they never had the hold that they did on my life from that point forward. Amen. So discerning of spirits is not discerning of devils. Listen, if all you're seeing is devils, you might need deliverance. If it's discerning of spirits, you probably should be seeing as many good spirits as you see evil spirits. All right. Okay. I gave you one personal example. I'll give you one more. And it has to do with praying in tongues. And it'll give you a clue as as to why I feel so passionately about it. On March 20th, 2005, Trish and I were asleep in the bed. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And all of a sudden... I found myself with my hands in the air and I was praising God in tongues. I did it in my sleep. I was praying and worshiping God in tongues in my sleep. My hands were in the air. I thought it was a dream, but it was real. And then all of a sudden I got caught up to the throne of God and I'm standing at the foot of the throne of God and I see this giant white marble throne and I see the father sitting on the throne. I see his feet, his shins, his leg, his trunk, his arms were resting on the armrest all the way up to about this high on his chest. And then from that high above was nothing but smoke. And for about two or three or four minutes, I was in the presence of the heavenly father. And then he prophesied to me from the throne. And I've never forgotten it. All because I'm a prayer in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Never forgotten it. Hallelujah. All right. I've given what normally would blow most people's minds, but I know that we've got a mature crowd here and you've heard these kind of things before and you've also operated in these things. So this is no strange thing to you. But let me wrap this up by reminding everyone, especially those that might be listening by podcast, that no matter how God speaks to you, whether through gifts of the spirit or through dreams, or through visions. Everything you receive from Him has to be channeled through what I call the Rosetta Stone of the Word of God. You've got to ground these types of experiences in the Word and listen closely to the Holy Spirit so that you won't be deceived. Amen? So next week, we'll be talking about the power gifts. Gifts of healings, gift of faith, and working of miracles. Amen? Amen. We hope you're enjoying Dr. Forrest's series, Fruit and Gifts. If this message has blessed you and you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by donating on our website at gofaithlife.com. 
if you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.